The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Exodus chapter 33 and John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, don't feel bad. We've got these big screens up here that you can follow along with me on. Exodus chapter 33 and John chapter 14. We're in a series right now called Sync. How many of you have been enjoying this series, Sync? And, and last week, I thought Sarah did such a great job preaching that message about, about connecting with God and, and, and that red letter invitation that we have in Jesus. And, and this, this whole series is about how we can connect with God, how we can sync up with God in our everyday life and walk in the relationship that he's called us to walk in with him. And, and you know what? That's really good news. And I hope you grasp that today because here, here's the truth for me and you today. If you have God, then you have everything that you could ever possibly need. In fact, if you're a, you know, a tweeter or a Facebook person, you're looking for something to post, here's something good for you to post this morning. God plus you equals the majority every time. If God's on your side, then you have more than enough. If God is with you, then, then who can stand against you? Nothing, no one, nada. So... It's important that we connect with God. And one of the things we've been majoring on in this series is connecting with the voice of God and hearing God and connecting in a way where we can relationally connect with him and hear what he has to say to us. You know, a mark of a good relationship is communication. If you don't have good communication in a relationship, then it's not a very good relationship. And, and, and here's the thing with God. A lot of times we think it's a one-way street, but it's not. God wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to reveal things to you. He wants to guide you and help you in life. And so this series has really been about helping us to, to hear the voice of God and how we can do that. And I just want to encourage you, if you're new to the church or if you haven't been a part of New Song, to go back and listen to some of the messages over the last six weeks because there is some grade A great stuff in there to help you to hear the voice of God. Okay, so a mark of a good relationship is is communication. But another important mark in a good relationship is closeness, is being near someone, is being around someone. A couple weeks ago, I went to Dallas to be a part of a church conference at Gateway Church there. And so I was gone for three days away from my family, away from my kids. And while I was gone, I I stayed in contact with them. I I called Sarah several times each day. I I was sending her text messages throughout the day. I even FaceTimed my kids a couple times where I could actually see them, you know, through my phone. But how many of you know that stuff's great, but it's not as good as being in their presence? You know, there's something about being home and being with my family and sitting around the dinner table and talking and having them with me that's just so much better. And I want you to know something today. That's what God wants for you today. Jesus didn't just die on the cross so that someday you could go to heaven, someday you could connect with him. He died on the cross so that you could have a connection with him and be close to him and have an intimate relationship with him on this earth, walking with him. So Exodus chapter 33, we're going to look back at the Old Testament here as we start. And we're going to kind of look at this, this connection that Moses had with, with God and, and how it can kind of resemble where we are today. So Exodus chapter 33, let me kind of set this up for you. Uh, so Moses, those of you who don't know, Moses is the guy that, that led the children of Israel out of Egypt, you know, the ten plagues and that whole thing. And they parted the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea and Moses and the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea. So all of that stuff has already happened at this point. And they're kind of on this journey to go to this land of promise that God has promised them. 
And so it's this huge group of people. Some uh, theologians say that there's close to a million people in this group of people. And they're traveling towards this promised land. And what they're doing is they're, in, they're, they're camping. And kind of as they travel, they'd camp out. And so they, they'd set up this encampment. And Moses would do something interesting. He would, he would set up a tent outside of the encampment. And then he would go out to that tent and he would meet with God in that tent. That tent was called the tent of meeting. And, and so he would go out there and, and God would show up at that tent. Look at this with me. This is Exodus 33 verse 9. As he went into the tent, that's talking about the tent of meeting, the pillar of cloud. Now this pillar of cloud it's talking about is this cloud that would lead the children of Israel by day. There was, a, there was literally a cloud in the sky that was leading them and going with him. And that cloud represented the presence of God and the provision of God being with him. And at night, there was a pillar of fire that was with them that hovered above the encampment. Okay, so this cloud, it says that that cloud would come down and hover at the entrance of the tent while the Lord, look at this, spoke with Moses. Now jump down to verse 11. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So this is pretty amazing. He would set up this, camp, this, this tent and then he would go and he would, he would enter the tent and when he'd enter the tent, the presence of God would enter the tent and he would have this encounter with God that the Bible says is like a face-to-face meeting with a friend. Now, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I grew up in church and I've heard a lot of stories in the Bible all through kids' ministry and growing up. And I remember hearing stories like this and sometimes thinking, man, wouldn't that have been awesome? Wouldn't it have been cool to live in the Old Testament and to have it the way they did? I mean, how could these people not follow God? Like there's 10 plagues happening around them or God's helping them to get out. He's parting the Red Sea. He's leading them by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. And then Moses is having these face-to-face encounters with God like this. Like how that would have been so awesome to live in those days. But really, if you think about it, it wouldn't have been that great. And here's why. Because Moses is the only one connecting with God. See, in, in the Old Testament, God would select Special people, prophets and priests and select people that he would communicate with. See, sin messed up everything. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, sin separated man and God. And so God couldn't be close to to the people that he loved. And so there was a separation that took place and it caused this divide to take place. And now not everyone could connect with God. Certain people could. And what they would do is they would represent uh, God to man, they would, they would be like a, a go-between for God, and then they could also represent man to God, but just individual people, like, like everyone else, they couldn't necessarily connect with God. So while Moses is in this tent of meeting, having this face-to-face encounter with God, there's a million people that aren't, that can't connect with God. And so what happens? Jesus comes. Thousands of years later, Jesus shows up on the scene. And now, here's the thing. Jesus is here on the earth in flesh, and he's walking among his people. And and he's doing miracles, and he's healing people, and he's speaking to people. And and maybe you're like me. You look at that, and you go, man, I wish I could have lived then. That would have been so awesome to to be one of his disciples, to have been able to walk with Jesus and have those encounters that that he had with people. And listen, I, I still stand by that to a point. I would love to have seen Jesus when he was walking here on earth. But here's my question. Is that really? better than what we have now because here's the problem when Jesus was here in the flesh there's only one Jesus and when he was here in the flesh he could only be in one geographical location at a time and he confined himself into a human form so that means that he couldn't he had to do what humans do he had to sleep 
He had to eat. Sometimes when he was talking to one person, that meant that the other disciples couldn't have his attention. So even though he's here and he's in flesh and and those 12 disciples had pretty great access to him, they didn't have all access to him. But see, Jesus didn't just come so that he could live and kind of disciple those 12 guys and then die and that'd be it. He came for a greater purpose. He came so he could give us all the ability to connect with him in a greater way. So what does Jesus do? He dies on the cross for our sins. He takes care of the sin problem that's separating everyone from from God. He, He fixes that by dying and paying the price so that we can be saved. He rises from the dead and then he sends us a helper. Someone to come alongside of us, but beyond that, someone to come reside within us so that we can have the presence of God with us all the time. And because of this person, we can now be the tent of meeting for the presence of God. Look at this. This is John chapter 14. Look at what Jesus says, talking about this helper that he's going to send. He says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Now notice he says another helper. Here's what he's saying. He's gonna, I'm gonna send you someone like me, someone just like me that's gonna come and help you, that he may, look at this, abide with you forever. Everybody say forever. Saying lot, anybody, anybody? Okay, 17, verse 17. The spirit of truth, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he, look at this, dwells with you. Dwells means comes to live with you. And look what it says next, and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, Jesus says, meaning that I'm not gonna leave you all alone without somebody. I will come to you. I will come to you. How is he gonna come to you? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus left, when he rose from the dead and went and sat down at the right hand of God, he he sent us a helper in the Holy Spirit who could come and reside within us. And now, what what Moses was able to happen at certain times, what the disciples were able to happen, me and you have access to all the time. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the tent of meeting. We are the place where the presence of God resides and we can go to God and have these face-to-face encounters like Moses did. We can have these encounters with God like Jesus did, but even greater encounters. Look at what Jesus said about when the Holy Spirit came. John 16, verse 7, he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. He said, it's better that I go away. Why? For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus says it's better that I go away. How, how could it possibly better? Here's how it's better. Because the Holy Spirit can come to live with inside of you. And he can be in you. And, and seven point whatever billion people that are here on the earth today, we can all have access to him at any time we need him. He doesn't get hungry. He doesn't get tired. We can call on him in the middle of the night. You can call on him anytime. He's there for you. It's not reserved for just special people. It's reserved for anyone who will call on the name of the Lord and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can have that encounter with God. That's good news, my friends. And so today, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and how you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and how God wants to speak to you through the Holy Spirit, some of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Now, I know there's some of you in here and you're hearing me talking about the Holy Spirit and you probably heard him called the Holy Ghost before. 
And so there's a party that's kind of going, hey, dude, whoa, slow down. This is, you know, I, I've seen some YouTube videos and I'm a little tap the brakes here. Well, let me just say this. First of all, I want to say, I, I, I'm not going to talk to you about every detail of the Holy Spirit today uh, and, and how you can receive him. But I do have good news for you. I have talked about that here in the past. In fact, there's a, there's a message I did a few weeks back, a few months back actually, called Upgrade Your Everything, where I talked about the Holy Spirit and how he works and what he does in your life and his role in your life. And I go into great detail of, uh, explaining how the Holy Spirit can, can operate in your life and how you can receive him. And if you weren't here during that series, I want to encourage you to listen to that. And if you were here during that series, I want to encourage you to listen to that. In fact, we, we created a special web page for you that you can listen to that message, go to newsongpeople.com slash Holy Spirit, all one word. And whether you heard that message, you were here before, or you haven't, I want to encourage every one of you to go back and listen to that message this week. Who's going to do it? Raise up your hand. Come on, raise up your hand. Okay, go back and listen to it. I want to encourage you. It's a great way to kind of help you to get the fundamentals that you need to understand what the Holy Spirit is. But I want to, give, let me give you three quick things that you need to understand about the Holy Spirit that will help you in moving forward with God. Number one is this, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. He's not an it. He's not a, a, a cloud. He's not a dove. He's not, you know, a force. He is a person. And it's important that you understand this because you don't have relationships, personal relationships with clouds and things and its, but you can have a personal relationship with a person. And so you have to see the Holy Spirit. And when, you, when you look in scripture, every time it talks about the Holy Spirit, it always says he, 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 it never, it never talks about him as like an it or a force or anything like that. Okay. So number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, the Holy Spirit is God. He's God. The Bible talks about the Trinity. It's also called the Godhead. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And and the Holy Spirit is the third part of this Godhead. Now, that doesn't mean that he's any less powerful or any less significant than the others. The reason he's third is because he was the last to be revealed to us. But when you see the Holy Spirit, what you see is everything you see in God, everything you see in Jesus, you find in the Holy Spirit. All of the greatness, all of the grandeur, all of the power, all of the wisdom, everything that you see in God and you see in Jesus, you find in the Holy Spirit. And here's what's awesome about that. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all the greatness, all the the power, all the grandeur, all the wisdom of God comes to live inside of you. It's pretty awesome. So he is God. And number three, he is your helper. The Holy Spirit is your helper. When Jesus talked to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, he talked about him being their helper. And that word he used for helper was this word called parakletos. Para in that, it's a Greek word. Para means alongside and kletos means to walk. So Jesus was saying, I'm going to give you a helper, and he's going to walk alongside of you. That, that word parakletos also speaks to him wanting to be your comforter, your counselor, your defender, your strengthener, your standby. He wants to bring aid to you in your life. He wants to help you in every aspect of your life. That's the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's a gift that Jesus gave to us that we all can experience and walk with in our life. The presence of God can come to dwell with in, inside of us. And so today I want to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I want to give you four things, four ways that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you can hear the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. Now this is not all the ways. In fact, if you do a little research on how the Holy Spirit can speak to you, you'll find anywhere from eight to 20 different ways that some people say the Holy Spirit can speak to you. 
But I want to talk about these four because I believe these four are the most common. Uh, Can the Holy Spirit speak to you in a dream? Absolutely he can, but it's not as common as what these four things I'm going to talk to you about are today. Okay, so if you're a note taker, get ready to write down some notes. The first way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and let me just say this about this one. This is a... This is like the standard by which the Holy Spirit speaks to you all the time. Anytime the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I believe it is through this, this right here, which is peace. The Holy Spirit speaks to you through peace. When he speaks to you, he's not pushy. He's not, he's not like trying to scare you into something. He, there's always a peace attached that he, he brings with it. Colossians 3.15 talks about how God wants you to be led by peace. It says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. God wants you to be led by peace. Now, when I say peace, I'm not talking about the peace like how the world sees peace. I'm talking about God's idea of peace. See, the world's peace is based on circumstances and how things are going, but the peace of God rises above whatever the circumstances of this life are. Uh, it talks about this in Philippians 4, 7. It says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Other translations say it surpasses all understanding. Look at what it says. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So God wants to, to give us a peace. The Holy Spirit wants to bring a peace into our life that transcends the circumstances of our life. A peace that, that rules and reigns in our hearts, that guards our hearts against some of the problems that we may come up against in life. A few years ago, me and Sarah uh, were, were in this season of life where we could feel a transition coming. And uh, our son, Gus, was, he was our only child at the time, and he was just a little guy, a little over a year old. And we felt like God was calling us to something. Well, it was during that time we got a call from this pastor friend, and he, was, you know, he had planted a church. The church was about three years old. It was running about 300 people, and he wanted us to come and be a part of the staff. And so we went to, to Dallas. We were living in Tulsa. We'd both grown up in Tulsa. That's all we knew. But we went to Dallas to check out the church. We went there, and we had some things about the church we didn't exactly just love, but we felt like God was calling us to do this. So we went home and we talked to, we got some counsel from friends and from different people. We prayed about it and we had a peace that we were supposed to do it. And so we, we packed up, we sold our house, we packed up all our stuff, we packed up our life, everything we ever knew in Tulsa and we moved to the Dallas Metroplex to be a part of this church. Well, six months into moving there, uh, something really horrible happened. We found out that the pastor of this church had been having an affair on his wife and had been caught in an affair. And had basically, the guy that I thought I knew was not the guy that I knew. And, and it was a bad, bad deal. And the, the elder board stepped in and released him. And now the church was in, was in big trouble. This little church was in huge trouble. And on the outside, I, I didn't know what to think. I mean, we had just moved there. We'd packed up all our stuff. We'd sold our house. We'd bought a house there. I, I, I was terrified on the outside for a little bit. What, what, what if I lose my job? What if I can't pay my bills? What am I going to do? Like, we, we were really worried. Me and Sarah got together and we prayed. And, and as we prayed, we just felt like the Lord spoke to us and just said, I've, I called you to be here. And so I didn't understand at the time, but what's funny is with that word from the Lord also came this peace. And it was, it was crazy, but after that was over, I, I never worried about it anymore. I didn't know what was going to happen, but there was this peace that came that transcended our circumstances. It was beyond what I could see in the natural. I knew God had called us there. I knew we were in the right place. I knew we were following him. I knew he was going to take care of us. So long story short, another church comes along and hears about what's going on with our church. 
And they step in and they adopt our church. It was a church in Dallas called Gateway Church. It was a church I was at before I came here. And they, they stepped in and they, they started bringing healing to that church. And God did something amazing. That little church of 300 that dipped down to about 150 after this happened started to grow. And people started to find healing and find freedom and change started taking place. I got a raise when I came on staff at Gateway. I didn't see that coming for a while. But beyond that, what we found in this church gateway was, was something that we had been looking for. A kind of church that me and Sarah had been praying about for years, we found in Gateway Church. And it was the, the funnest six years of my life. It was so awesome to see what God was doing through that church and to see the growth that, he, that took place in that church. That church went from 150 or so after the, after the pastor to two, 2,500 people. God did something amazing there. Now, see, I I couldn't see that up front. My vision was limited, but God could see that. And so what did he do? He he came in and he brought peace to that situation for me. He settled my heart. He he brought a peace to me that transcended my understanding. And you know, that's how God will speak to you sometimes. Sometimes you'll be facing something and you'll just have a peace about something. Let me also say this. If you don't have a peace about something, (laughs) That may be the Holy Spirit speaking to you too and, and, and letting you know, hey, I'm not behind this. This person you're pursuing, this relationship you're pursuing, this job that you're pursuing, this thing that you're going after, if there's not peace attached to it, I would really wonder, is this what God really wants me to do? The Holy Spirit speaks through peace. Number two, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the inner witness. The inner witness. Now, you're wondering, what, what's an inner witness? An inner witness is kind of like an inner knowing. It's like you know something without someone having to tell you something. It's like that gut feeling, that gut knowing that we get inside of us. The Bible talks about this in Romans eight sixteen. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness. The Spirit himself is talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. That's our born-again spirit after we accept Jesus, make him the Lord of our life, that we are children of God. Romans 9 verse 1 says, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions, also bearing witness to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will speak to us in this inner knowing that we have. Now, there's two key key uh, words in in these two verses here and that's the word witness the holy spirit is bearing witness to something with our born again spirits Uh, when, when you really break it down here's what it means the holy spirit transmits the knowledge he wants you to have on something as a strong inner knowing it's an inner knowing it's not so much that you get a word or you you like you get that sentence from the lord or you get that thought from you just have a knowing inside that i i should do something or i shouldn't do something or i should pursue something or someone or a certain situation or i need to you know maybe i need to to step away from that it's that, it's that gut feeling. You ever had that gut feeling before? And then, you know, you, you watch and you see that that gut feeling becomes the reality. Sometimes that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's not necessarily a word from the Lord, but it's just a, it's just a leading that he gives you. A few years back, uh, my son Gus was five years old at the time. And we were going to take him to a baseball game. It was his first ever baseball game, father-son night. We're going to go to the baseball park. This is when we lived in Dallas. We were so excited about it. And so we're getting ready to leave to go to this baseball game. And uh, his mother, Sarah, decides to say something to Gus that changed the landscape of the rest of the night. She said, hey, Gus, don't forget to bring your glove. You might be able to catch a foul ball. Now, my son Gus is very driven. 
And when he gets his mind on something, it like consumes him. And so after Sarah said this, it was like a light went off in his little brain. And he was just like, I could get a ball? And so we get in the car and he just keeps talking about this. Dad, do you think I'm going to get a foul ball? Well, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Dad, what, 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 do you, what do we have to do for me to get a ball? And he just keeps, I mean, it's like that's all he can think about now. And he's talking to me about it. And he's bringing it back up over and over again. And I'm saying, well, you know, bud, you know, I've been to baseball games my whole life. I've never got a foul ball. You know, if it happens, that's great. But I don't know that that's going to happen. We'll just have to see how it goes. And he gets quiet for a moment. And then he does something that Christian kids do to their parents sometimes. He says, hey, dad, can we pray that I get a foul ball? (laughs) Yes, we can, buddy. Inside, I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to explain this to him when it doesn't happen? He's got more faith than I do. And so I pray, I pray that I lead him in this little prayer. It's like, Lord, we just thank you that we get to go to a baseball game. And we're going to eat food. It's going to be great. We're going to have so much fun. And we're just going to enjoy the game. And if you, know, if you have a, if you, in your plan for him to catch a foul ball tonight, we thank you that that happens. But no matter what, we're going to have a good time. In Jesus' name, amen. Dad, do you think I'm going to get a foul ball at the game? Oh, okay. I don't know, buddy. We'll see. We'll just, let's just go have fun. And so we, we get there. We go to concession stand. He's talking. Dad, we better get down to our seats. I don't want to miss getting a foul ball. We walk down to our seats. Dad, do you think this is a good seat? Which seat should I sit in? I want to make sure that I get a foul ball. During the game, he's, he's just watching, wanting a foul ball. Like he could care less about the game. All he cares about is the foul ball. To the point that halfway through the game, he's about to wet his pants. And he doesn't want to leave his seat because he doesn't want to miss out on the chance of getting a foul ball. To which I explained to him, buddy, this is not going to be good. You don't want to wet your pants at the the chance of getting, we'll be okay. If God wants you to get a foul ball, it'll, it'll work out. So we go, I take him up to the restroom. He's in the restroom and I'm waiting, you know, with him. And I just kind of, I just kind of made a little, just kind of threw out a prayer. Lord, if, if, if you want us to catch a foul ball, you see that his heart. Would you help us to get a foul ball tonight? And so we walk out of the bathroom. We start walking out. As we're walking out, I just, I saw this section of seats over to the right. And I just, there was something inside of me. It's like an inner knowing that just said, go sit over there. And you, you'll get a foul ball. And so I looked at Gus. I said, hey, let's, let's go sit over there. And let's see if, if maybe we can get a foul ball over there. And he was like, okay, yeah, he was down. So we start walking over there and I see this section and I wish I could say that there was like a light from heaven shining down on one of the seats. There wasn't, it just looked like a section to me. And I just, I, I thought randomly, I'm just, okay, here, go down a few rows, go down a few chairs, sit down. I kid you not, God is my witness. I sit down and within 10 seconds, a foul ball gets hit. And I'm watching this ball and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's heading straight for us. And I'm serious, I'm sitting in my seat and I literally, this is what I do. I stand up and I go, bonk, there you go. It was like somebody threw me a frozen rope, perfect throw to me. In fact, I have a picture. This is Gus right after he caught his ball. It was unreal. Now here's the thing. I didn't know that. But, but God, I, I truly believe the Holy Spirit led me to the exact seat he had for us because he wanted to show himself real to my son. And listen, he wanted to show himself real to me. And, and so he, he led me there. You know, the Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit wants to guide you into all wisdom. Everybody say all. all. Not just some, all. 
God wanted to show up in our life tonight. So he led me by the, by the Holy Spirit inside of me. My helper led me to that exact place through that inner knowing. So, so here's what will happen to you. Um, sometimes it's, uh, you'll be going through life and, and you'll just start to kind of get a feeling about a person or a situation. Maybe you'll get a, a feeling or just a kind of a knowing about something, a, an impression about a person or maybe one of your kids maybe something going on with one of your coworkers, whatever that may be, be sensitive to that. Be listening to that because that very well me, what may be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. All right, so the Holy Spirit speaks through peace. He speaks to the inner witness. The Holy Spirit speaks through coincidences. Coincidences. You need to know something about God. God wants you to hear his voice. He does. In fact, he doesn't just want you to hear it. He wants you to be led by his voice. And because of that, sometimes he'll speak to you in in different ways to make sure that you get the message, to make sure the message gets across to you. Sometimes he'll use a few things to help confirm that it's him speaking to you. And that's okay to have the word of God confirmed in your life, especially if you're facing a big decision in life to be willing to pursue a confirmation from the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes that's what God does. He, he loves you. He wants to help you. He doesn't want you blindly walking through life hoping for the best. He wants to lead you. And some of the ways he does that is through these coincidences. Jesus used the word coincidence in the story of, uh, of the Good Samaritan. And then when he used that, the biblical definition for the word coincidence is this. What occurs together by God's providential arrangement of circumstances. It's God arranging the circumstances of your life in such a way to make things appear to you, to make you see things, that these coincidences kind of take place in your life that help you to know that it's God. I've had it happen like this before. Uh, I'm in my quiet time, and I feel like God says something to me, but I'm not exactly sure, you know, is that God or is that just me? And and then a little bit later, uh, I'm talking to Sarah, and she says almost the exact same thing to me. And you kind of can look at that and go, oh, what a coincidence. No, (laughs) that's the Holy Spirit I'll get in my car and be listening to a message and I just pick a a message from some other pastor and as I'm listening to it all of a sudden I hear him say the same thing again and I'm going whoa what a coincidence it's not a coincidence it's the Holy Spirit I've had it before where I'm putting my kids to bed at night and I'm tucking them in and, and I'm just talking to them and one of my kids will just say exactly what I need to hear exactly something that God's been talking to me about that he's been confirming in my heart it's amazing how God will do this. I, I remember when we were moving here from, from Dallas, when we were leaving Gateway, you know, moving to Oklahoma City, leaving behind our job there, leaving behind a, a really great church, leaving behind those things to move to the city where we didn't know anybody. It was amazing, all the coincidences, all the, the ways that God confirmed that we were in his, his will, that we were doing what he wanted us to. He brought realtors across our path and he brought hotel people across our path. He brought different people in the city across our path, circumstances, doors open up, just crazy coincidences that were not coincidences at, at all. They were God moving and doing things to confirm what we were supposed to do. And you know, in our life, I think sometimes we need to recognize those coincidences as being from God. If you're making a big decision or a big choice in life, don't, don't be surprised if you start to see, if God's leading you, you start to see some coincidences rise up, some things that confirm the word from the Lord. I, I found this, that coincidences are sometimes miracles from God that he gives to us anonymously. 
And sometimes we don't recognize them as being the miracles that they are until we're on the other side of whatever that situation is. But God wants to lead you. He leads you with peace. He leads you with the inner witness. He leads you with coincidences. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through warnings, number four, through warnings. Think of the Holy Spirit like this. Uh, it's kind of like a control tower for an airplane. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I know everything about airplanes and aeronautics and all that stuff, but I know enough to know this. The control tower can see things that the pilot cannot see. He has a broader scope, and he can see dangers that the pilot cannot see. He can, he can detect where dangers could come because that, that he can see at a greater level than the pilot. And so his job is to guide the pilot, to guide the pilot, to speak to the pilot, to warn the pilot about things that maybe could occur that could hurt the pilot if he keeps going the way that he's going. You maybe heard somebody talk about this before. It's like a, it's like a check in your spirit. You get this check. It's, it's almost like a stop sign that pops up that just says, don't, don't go any further. Don't, don't do what you were gonna do. Don't, don't hang around that person. You get a, a warning about a person, about a situation, about a, and it's God. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and leading you and warning you to try to keep you from danger. When I was a kid, I used to spend my summers working at this camp called Camp Dry Gulch. And I worked there as a wrangler when I was in like junior high. And so I worked with horses. And, um, and, and one of the things we would do is we had these big horses. They were called Belgian horses. And, and they're like a Clydesdale, only bigger. You know, like the Clydesdale from the beer commercials? Don't act like you're holier than a beer commercial. <laughs> You've seen a beer commercial with a big horse, right? It's like those, except they're actually bigger than those horses. And so what we would do is we'd hitch these big horses up at night, and then we would use them to, uh, to, to haul kids around during night activities. And we'd take them up to this, this old West saloon where they'd get a root beer float, and it was this fun little thing we'd do. And so my job as a, as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, was to stand in front of these big horses while they got hitched up to the wagon and while the kids were getting on and off. Now, for whatever reason, these huge horses were frady cats. They were the scare, they were the, they got afraid of everything. And so I would, I would stand there, and for some reason, having an 85-pound 12-year-old in front of them totally calmed them down, okay? So I'd stand there in front of them, and I would just kind of talk to them and rub their noses while everything was going on just to keep them calm, because these are big, powerful animals. Two of these dudes can haul 150 kids around like it's nothing. And so we'd hitch them up. Well, it was my practice to, to be there in the front. At the beginning of the night one night... They're hitching up these two horses, and they're, they're fresh. There's no kids around at this time. Kids are in chapel getting ready to be dismissed, and we're kind of setting up for the night. And I'm, they're hitching them up, and I'm waiting at the front. And what would happen is the guy that was driving the wagon, once everything was hitched up, once he was in place, he would say, Josh, come on up. And I would walk around the horses, and there was a little ladder beside the wagon that I would climb up so I could sit on the front right beside him. And so I was kind of waiting for my, my turn, and, and all of a sudden he gives me the go-ahead, come on up. And so I step out from in front of those horses and start to walk around to my, what I do every time, every time, walk up that ladder. And as I start to walk towards that ladder, something inside said, don't go up the ladder. And so, it, and, and it was just, it was there, but it was, it was settled enough that I just thought, I got this other thought, go to the back of the wagon. So instead of doing what I always do, which is climb up the ladder and get in the front, I decided to walk around to the back of the wagon and get on from the back. And so I walked the extra 30 feet and I'm getting ready to step onto the wagon to put my foot on the metal step. And as I go to step on it, the wagon shoots out from underneath me. And something happened that spooked those two horses. 
And the guy driving, and I can hear him going, whoa, trying to stop him. And I see him standing up and pulling on the reins as hard as he can. But these horses are terrified, and they are running crazy. And so they're running. I take off running after them as hard as I can. And, you know, they're, they're, taking, they're, they're putting more and more distance. Inside of me, I'm also thinking, man, the kids just got let out of chapel, and they're heading right for them. This could be horrible. And so the, the wagon goes over the top of this hill, disappears out of my view, and I'm running as hard and as fast as I can, and I hear this boom. I keep running, I top the hill, and when I top the hill, I see the wagon plowed into a tree. And so I just kind of run over the hill and I start looking for Ronnie, because I'm just, I'm, I'm concerned that he's dead. And I, I top the hill and I run over and I find him. He's, he's laying about 20 feet in front of the horses, laying on his back. And I'm the first there, and I, I run up to him. I'm like, are you okay? And he sits up, and he's like, yeah, I'm okay. And he's totally fine. The horses are another about 100, 100 yards down, and they've been wrapped around a tree now. They're totally fine. I turn around, and I look at the wagon, and the wagon is not totally fine. The wagon on one side of it looks like it's been hit by a semi-truck, totally smashed in. And the side that's smashed in is the side that I sat on every night. Had I climbed up in my normal spot that night, I would have been killed, or at least hurt really bad. But the Holy Spirit is my helper. You know one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps you is he doesn't let you die. (laughs) Thank you, right? But but that night, the Holy Spirit said no, and he, he, He said, go to the back. And because he did, and because I heard him, because I was filled with the Spirit, I was able to to listen and hear that and be warned by that, and it saved my life. Here's what I want you to see in all this tonight, or today. The Holy Spirit is your helper. God wants to be close to you. Jesus wants to be close to you, and you, you don't get any closer than being within you. He wants to be within you. He wants to guide you. He wants you to be the tent of meeting where he can speak to you face to face and guide you through life. We can be the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. We can have him come and rest within us and help guide us and lead us through life in a powerful way. How do we do that? By being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to invite the band to go ahead and come up at this time. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never or you're here today and you've never heard of this idea of being filled with the Spirit before, maybe this is all new to you. But, but, but here's what you need to understand. There, there's three baptisms that take place in the, in the life of a person, of a believer. There's Number one, there's the baptism into Jesus that takes place upon salvation. When you get saved, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you are baptized into Jesus uh, by the Holy Spirit. And you're born again. You're made new in Jesus Christ. That's the first baptism that takes place. The second is water baptism. And this takes place when we, uh, be ba- we're baptized by other believers, other people in the church. And, and we baptize each other, represent what Jesus did in the flesh. It's an outward declaration of the inward change that takes place. In fact, on October 30th here at New Song, we're going to have our next water baptism. If you've never been water baptized before, or maybe you've been water baptized, but you don't really remember much about it, maybe it happened to you as a kid, we would love to baptize you and be a part of that. October 30th, you can register at newsongpeople.com. But then there's a third baptism that can take place in our life, and that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the baptism where we're filled with the Spirit. And the Bible talks about this in a lot of different verses, but let me show you this. This is Acts chapter 8, 
We see this encounter where we see this separate baptism taking place. Acts chapter 8, what happens here is Philip has just preached this message. And, And after he preaches it, a revival breaks out. And people get saved and people get set free and healed and demons are cast out of people. And it says in verse uh, 12, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So we see in this verse two of the baptisms. Number one is, it says, but when they believed. That means that's when they made Jesus the Lord of their life. They believed in the Son of God. They made him. They surrendered their life to him. They accepted him as as salvation. And the second one, it says, both men and women were baptized. That's water baptism. They were baptized in water by fellow believers. Well, what about the third baptism? We'll jump down two verses to verse 14. And, and this is where we see that. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, so they heard about what had happened with these believers, it says that they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them, look at this, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had not fallen on any of them. Now, they're saved. They've been water baptized. But these guys are saying they haven't been filled with the Spirit yet. They haven't been baptized into the Holy Spirit. They had only been, it says, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, there's a separate baptism that takes place in our life where we ask for the Holy Spirit to come and to baptize us. But we have to ask for that. It's not automatic at salvation. We receive the Holy Spirit in part, but the fullness of the Holy Spirit comes to us when we ask for him to come in. So how do we do this? Two things, simple. Number one, we ask. We ask God to baptize us. We ask Jesus to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And number two, we believe. We believe that he will if we ask for it. You know, the same way you receive salvation is the same way you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The same way you receive healing is the same way you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By faith, through grace. We believe that God can do it and we believe that God will do it. And if you're here today and you want the the voice of God to be amplified in your life, let me just tell you, this is, is a way to do that. Maybe you've been listening to this series and you're trying to connect with God. You're trying to hear the voice of God and, and you're still just having a little bit of trouble. Let me just tell you, this is like putting a microphone to God, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. His voice gets amplified in your life. You'll hear him better than you ever have before because the because he comes to live in you in a powerful way and ministers to you and helps you. He's your helper. He's a gift from Jesus. And if you're here today and you have never asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I wanna give you that chance today. I wanna give you that opportunity. So I'm gonna invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. Altar ministry team, if you guys don't mind coming down here, these guys have been trained in helping people to, to receive this. And maybe you're here today, you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never taken that first step in, in believing in the Son of God and what he did for you and the sacrifice he made for you. Jesus died on the cross so he could be with you, so he could be close to you, so you could have a relationship with him. And if you don't know him today, he wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to wash away all the mess of your life. He, wants, he loves you. He died for you. And if you want that today, we'd love to pray for you for that. Or maybe you're here today and you just have another need in your life of some kind. Maybe you need healing. Man, we've seen some remarkable healings take place in this church over the last few weeks. 
It's been amazing. We've had two people with cancer be healed. We've had people that are having neck problems and shoulder problems and eye problems, all sorts of problems that God has been healing. If you need healing today, please don't leave without coming forward and receiving it. God wants to heal you today. So if you're here and you have a need of any kind, we're gonna go back into a worship song here in just a moment. We're gonna, we're gonna stay in an attitude of worship. And if that's you, you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, would you come forward at this time? Don't be shy, don't be ashamed. In fact, would everybody stand with me? We're gonna go back in this song. If that's you, come down at this time and take that step of faith and say, I want that. I'd, I'd love to receive that today. Or you need salvation or you need anything. You need prayer of any kind. Would you please come down and receive that this morning? Lord, I thank you that you love us, Holy Spirit. God, you, you, you wanna be with us. You sent us the Holy Spirit so that we could have life. We could have it abundantly. We could have a helper. We could, have, we could be the tent of meeting for God. We could, we could meet with the presence of God and have you with us and have access to you. We could be close to you. Thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you draw all the people in this room who need you, who need to experience this day, that you would draw them to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.